Raise your hand if you are still um, snail mail. You handwrite your letters, you put them in the mail, and you send them out. Wow, more than I thought. I more, yeah. How about if you're still email, that's your strong messaging, emailing, text messaging, or if you do text. Okay. Um, have you ever sent a text message or an email or a snail mail and it totally be misunderstood or misread? Right? <laughs> like what you sent and what you intend to send, the person on the receiving side did not get that. They did not read that. Have you been on the opposite side where someone sent you a text and you totally misread it? Like you write something, you pour your heart out, and they write back, okay. No emojis, nothing, just okay. But you don't know what's happening on that side. It's just like in that moment, they, maybe they're driving, all they could do is do the K. But you ever been, like, we, I think, I think, in short, we'll bring this illustration to a close. I think we can all agree on how critical and crucial communication is. Yes? Amen? Communication is massively important. I would, I would, I mean, it could, it, it's, it's the difference. If you misread a sign, you end up totally going to the, the wrong destination. You know, you, you misread a contract, and you end up, you could, it's the difference of messing up a major life decision. You misread a playbook, and that could cost you the game. You misread scripture, you misread doctrine, essential doctrine. That's the difference of heaven and hell. That's the difference of a church having a schism and being broken apart or being united. That's the difference. I appreciate this text and the letter and the effort and the spirit-drivenness in this to put together a clear, careful, Christ-centered, spirit-filled letter and sent because communication, especially on the gospel, is that, that important. This is what we're seeing tonight. And ever since the beginning, ever since the fall, Satan wants to mess up communication, right? What did Satan say to Eve in the garden? Did God really say that? Why do you think it's such a struggle, Christian, to read your Bible or to pray or to be in a place where the Word of God's going to be communicated by His grace? Why do you think it's so difficult? Why do you think there's always resistance? Because we prayed last week and we knew this. There is an enemy, and he, does, he, not, he doesn't like you. He hates you, and he does not want you to have communion with God. And the means in which that happens is clear, careful, christ centered, spirit-filled gospel message. This is such a big deal that we're going to see as we walk through this, I uh, hope for us to see how awesome the church serves us as an example of being very careful and very clear and very Christ-centered and spirit-filled in how they're communicating. They worked on it together. They've been discussing, debating. Now they're going to deliver and they're going to make sure everyone from Jerusalem to Antioch, we're all on the same page. This is a great, great example of communication in the life, the church. I'm going to read this verse, and then we'll get straight into Acts. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, I just feel like this sums it up well. 
Paul is saying, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Lord, be with us as we walk through your text right now in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 22. It reads like this. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. We pointed this out in observation time, right? Um, I forget who said it. I think they're on this side, but there was, it was neat that they got the whole church involved. First point, if you can see it in the font five or whatever it is on your stuff, or you can write it in your notebook, there was clear communication, transparency in the whole church. You notice that it's not just the leaderships who had all this dialed in? This means, this implies that they took time to communicate these things that they were debating and discussing with everybody. I love this. I love this note. I love seeing um, church leadership led in such a way that they're not just lording over and making the calls. They're making sure the whole church is very congregational. It's very together in this. It seemed good to everybody as they move forward in how to respond and I just, I think that's awesome. This is a, ho a household issue, a whole house issue, so they're going to get the whole house involved. So they decided, okay, we're going to choose men, and we're going to send them back to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, who came sharing with us the drama that was going down in Antioch. So these are the men. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, or Barsabbas, and Silas, or Sylvanus, or Sil Sylvanus, however you want to call it, leading men among the brothers with the letter. Now, I want to point these things out, because this is huge. It, why did they just send the letter? Why would they send company? And why would they just not send any guys? They sent leading men. I want us to see how careful they are with their communication. If they just sent the letter or, you know, someone just sends you a text, sometimes it can, be, it can come off just impersonal, right? But to get a letter and then someone accompanying it, someone who's a leading man, who's grounded and can actually, if you have questions about this letter, I can answer it. I just want to make sure, like, they were so careful and keen to make sure what message they're trying to get across in this letter really gets there. Now let's talk about these guys. Um, we're not going to see... Uh, Judas much anymore. He's kind of just mentioned here. I'm sure he's an awesome brother, but Silas we see a lot. This is the first we see of Silas um, the f eight more times through the book of Acts, and then in a lot of Paul's letters, he references to Silas as a faithful man. A lot of the stories you'll see of Silas as we read on are pretty beast. This man is a powerful man of God, Peter speaks highly of him. But I just want us to see how careful they are with their communication. They didn't just, it wasn't good enough to just send the letter. They wanted these men, not men, leading men, to be the ones handling. Why? We must remember this. Because the letter they're handling is serious. Why is it serious? Because it has to do with doctrine. What doctrine? Doctrine of salvation. 
men in the room, women in the room, listen. It is no small thing to carry or deliver the word of God. It's no small thing to just read scripture. It's a massive thing. It's no small thing. We ought to, as believers, be a lot more prayerful and careful with our words. They were careful communicators. Let's read the letter. I'm going to read from 23 where we're at all the way down to 29. Okay, we're going to get the whole letter and then we're going to kind of break it down piece by piece. So here's the letter. They sent it with Judas and Silas. Okay, brothers. Oh, should we just break this down now? Okay, um, maybe we should. Let's just, as we go there. This is huge because they're already calling them what? brothers. Notice how keen Luke is with his labels. Because the, the guys that came earlier in the chapter down teaching the false gospel, did they call them brothers? Luke doesn't. He says some men. Or does he, or no, he says certain persons. Earlier? He, but he calls these Gentiles in Antioch brothers. This is a great way to start your letter that you're wanting to affirm and assure these guys you are truly Christian. He already calls them, they already call them brothers. And then they say, both the apostles and the elders to the brothers, two times, who are of the Gentiles. In Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. And then they say this, greetings. Aloha, that kind. You know, like, but a real like, this is big. They're not calling them AU Gentiles who haven't been circumcised just yet. No, brother. Verse 24. Since we have heard that some persons, notice that, not brothers. These are persons. They've gone out from us and they began to make trouble. Troubled you with words. Unsettling your minds. This word trouble, terasso, it's to agitate or to, to stir up or disturb. It's, it's a word of causing so much inward commotion. It's, they phrase it as, you take away the calmness of the mind. Troubling you with words. Remember, communication is important. James says the tongue has the power to set a whole person's course of life on fire. Communication is huge. And these persons are communicating that you must be, you, you need to do more to be saved. That will trouble and unsettle any heart. Legalism and religion always leaves you troubled and unsettled. You will never have peace in your heart. Never, 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 if all you hear is you need to do more in order to be with God. This is what the Gentile believers are experiencing right now. It's like the, their identity, their very identity that they heard from Paul and Barnabas is, is now being shook. It's like, well, I thought, I thought we were saved by, by grace through Christ. I thought there's no other name under heaven by which man is saved. And then now you're telling us, like, oh, wait, maybe we're not fully saved yet. Maybe we're, we're not really members of the church yet. Like, what? I'm confused. This is what's happening. This is a big word. This is a big deal. And why this is a big deal and, and why it, sh it ought to hit a note for a lot of us here is because I think there's a lot of this in the church today. There's a lot of troubled, unsettled hearts. Why? Because the gospel is not clearly, carefully being communicated. 
and it's not clearly, carefully being studied and understood. I have friends who have been, who've grown up in church, who've been in church for decades, and they're still to this day shook to their core. They're unsettled in their minds. They can't sleep well at night. And they try to convince themselves that I'm a Christian. When the scriptures say on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord. And, and Jesus will say, Matthew said, I never knew you. Augustine said it well. He said, my heart will be restless until I find rest in thee. I wonder if there's any hearer this evening who deep down in your core, if you're honest, you're troubled and unsettled. You're not sure where you stand with God. But this is what they're hearing. They're hearing in the letter. We heard, we heard, we're hearing that this is where you're at right now, Antioch. And these guys, these troublemakers came and they started to stir that up. And although we gave them no instructions, they're, they're unauthorizing them. That's important. These were not authorized men. We didn't send them. You might have thought we did, but we didn't. Just want to make that very clear. We're separating us from the circumcision party right now. You see that in the letter? Verse 25. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord. I love this letter. It's such a good, solid letter. They're communicating, we see you as brothers, and hey, we're all one in on this. They're, they're, they're communicating there's unity. It seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our, now look at how they endorse these two guys, our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Now, this is important and key why I think they ought to have, it was good that they sent some brothers, Judas and Silas, because guarantee when they said that, they all looked at Judas and Silas and they were like, yep, for real. If it was just Paul and Barnabas, some skeptics might have been there like, yeah, you bias. Of course you can say that about yourself. Did you write the letter, Paul? You know? But look at what they say. They, they call Barnabas and Paul, we love them. They're beloved. And they say this about them. They're men who risk their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus. We talked a little bit about that in observation, but that is such, oh, that is a huge, huge, huge phrase right there. Trying not to go on tangent on that, but you got to, like, just ask yourself, though, like, are you so sure and certain and convinced of the person of Christ that you, like Paul would say in Romans, we live and die all to the Lord? To live is Christ, to die is gain. These are men who risk their lives because, like we sung it, they see him as worthy. He's worthy of it all, life and death. Oh, I hope and pray that God will continue to raise up men and women in our church who are down to risk their lives for the cause of Christ, for the name of our Lord Jesus. So the letter so far so good. It's backing up Paul and Barnabas and we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. These guys are going to affirm everything we're writing. They're going to back it up. We're careful communicating this. Carefully communicating this. Verse, and, and they're going to do just that. Verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And then they, speak, they spoke of the things we talked about in observation, to abstain from the idols, the blood, strangled, sexual morality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well, farewell. I, I do hope for us to see in this whole letter, and the reason why I say Christ-centered, I mean, it's not very, some 
Some scholars and commentators argue that this letter could have been better. They could have been a little bit more explicit. They could have dropped the C-bomb. They could have said circumcision, but they didn't even say it. Don't you notice that? That was the whole issue, but they didn't even say circumcision, and they didn't even mention the name of Christ and whatnot. And yet, you look at, though, everything that they're saying in brother and greeting and endorsing Paul and Barnabas, and it's very implicit. It's very obvious that they are wanting—this is, this is a Christ-centered letter. At least I would think so. You know, they're not putting the emphasis on circumcision or works. But it's also a letter that's trying to give this opportunity in a very spirit-filled way. Like, let's preserve unity here. Can you just consider the culture and the background of the brothers and sisters who are former Jews? And, you know, let's, let's, let's work this throughout together. And um, I think it's a, a, wonderful, a wonderful letter. And the fact that they brought in those two guys, if anything, any things were left missing or kind of question mark, Silas and Judas, and we're going to see later in the text, they were there to fill in the blanks. But I do hope, I do want us to see this, though, in the thrust of the letter on the essential things, the gospel. They're all one accord and they stand firm. On the non-essential things, exercise charity and grace. John Stott says this of Paul. He says, when it came to the non-essentials, he was a reed in the wind. But when it came to the essential things, an iron pillar. We as believers, as we mature in our faith, we're going to have to learn how to navigate through these things. Remember, I brought this up a couple weeks ago. We are living in such controversial, divided, divisive People like scrap over every little thing, opinionated times. And as we get saved, as God saves us and regenerates us, we're going to come into the church with all those things. This is a great example. I love chapter 15, teaching the church how to remain united, discuss, debate. But remember, we're united in Christ. In, in, in essence, he's kind of saying, you know, you're free in Christ, but please don't use your freedom to just cause your brothers to struggle if you can help it. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom in how to apply those things where we're at right now. Let's finish this up. Verse 30. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the whole congregation together. I love, I love this. These are small things, but they're big things. The transparency in a church family is so big. I kept thinking of our family business meetings Whenever I cross stuff like this, and it just made me want to be more involved in those things, attend more, and, and just be more attentive to what's going on. But they gathered the congregation together. They delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they chihooed. See that? They rejoiced. They celebrated. It was chihoo worthy because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words and after they had spent some time they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them we saw that the church was clear in their communication they were trying to be clear careful and now we're seeing that they are faithful the, the faithful communication builds up the church notice words like encouraged paraclesis or strengthened to make strong when we are clear and careful and faithful in communicating the word of God, you know what happens to the church? We get stronger. It actually does encourage us in the faith. 
if we're communicating legalism and religion, you're not going to be encouraged. You're going to be burdened and broken down and bruised. You see that? Religion and legalism always breaks down and burdens a person. Grace, the gospel of grace in Christ, always lifts up the soul. There's always encouragement and comfort and solace there. That's why he can say, all you who are weary and laden, come to me, Jesus Christ. Take my yoke upon you. You learn from me, and you'll have rest for your souls. This is what's happening in this Antioch church. They're rejoicing because I think Hannah was the one who's kind of articulating it. Saying, oh, yeah, see, I am, I am a Christian. I am saved. I love, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with friends and brothers and sisters who, deep down in their core, but they're troubled and unsettled, and yet, after reading scripture after scripture, with many words, explanation after explanation, the word of God finally breaks through, like, like dawn, just boom, and it lights up, and everything's clear, and there's, their soul is just like, I'm saved. He saved me. I get it, and only he can. It just, lights turn on. This is the moment that a lot of these believers in Antioch are having just all over again restoring the joy of their salvation. It's such a beautiful moment. Communication is so critical. And I'm so thankful for men like Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas who, guys, I want you to see this though, many words spent some time. Look at verse 35. Paul and Barnabas remained. Many words, spent some time. These guys stayed put. Doing what? Teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. Faithful communication. Faithful teaching and preaching. It's hard work. It took time. This is not one, I, one youth camp altar call and that was it. No, this took days of Bible study. Days of wrestling, question and answer. I love getting phone calls or text messages or some of you, you visit in my study and we just sit and you're confused about a, a thing in scripture and we just, we go for it. We hash it out with many words. This is such a beautiful church culture. I pray the Lord do this in New Uanu Baptist. Colossians, right? Chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Big phrase at the very end of our text that I don't want you to miss. It says, Paul and Barnabas remain teaching and preaching. And then it says, with what? Many others also. See, faithful teaching and preaching ministries produce more faithful teachers and preachers. Every member becomes a minister when the word of God is clearly and carefully and faithfully, spirit-filled, just, just constantly communicated. Are we the kind of church where only the pastors can explain the gospel to a newcomer? There's churches out there like that. I hope we're not. I don't think we are. I think we're going away from that. But I love that Paul and Barnabas' teaching ministry produced more teachers and preachers. The whole church is at these gatherings. The whole church is digging in on these Bible studies. The whole church is interested in the discussion and the debate. The whole church is rejoicing, not just the 
the, 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 the nerdy star, uh, pastor guys or whatever. This is not just stuff that Pastor Johnny and I are into. No, it's the church. It's the Christians. It's the born-again believers. This is how the first century church was. This is how it ought to always be. Some guys in the room were memorizing this text together. And I was going to try and do it right now. Maybe I should, yes, for exercise. Yeah. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. I'm going to look up. Oh, no, I'm tempted to look down now. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. You then, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach. 2 Timothy 2. But then it reads on, which I didn't memorize, and I'm going to read it now. That's a teaching ministry that produces more teachers and preachers, but it says this, verse 3, sharing the suffering as a good soldier. Verse 4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. His aim is to please the one enlisted him. Verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is hardworking. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Timothy, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. And I'm so thankful that I read on because it reminded me that to have a faithful teaching and preaching ministry, to have a church that really faithfully communicates the word of God, faithfully, suffering is painful. It's hard. It's going to take patience. They remain. They stayed. They spent time. Many words. Verse 4, you can't get entangled. You got to stay focused. It's going to take some laser focus, man. Like an athlete who competes, they compete according to the rules. There's no shortcuts in this. You don't cut corners. And verse 6, it's hard work like a farmer. It's going to take hard work, painful patience, focus, and all by the book. God help us. Big prayer of my heart. Lord, do that in this place. Please do that in this place. Raise up more men and women who know the word of God. Like, think right now. Can you share with your friends the gospel? And will you have many other words to talk with them when they ask questions? Don't just drop Romans Road and then leave it at that. Don't just say John 3.16 and then say, oh, what about after? What's 17, 18, 19 all about? What's all that darkness and stuff? Oh, uh, 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 John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, you know? Know that. But it's going to take hard work. Good, long, faithful, hard work. And the beauty and the glory of this whole thing in chapter 15, though, is in this council, so many things are accomplished. One, clarity of the gospel. Not compromise, but clarity. The second thing we think is we see the church more united. And then we also see the Great Commission continue. Missions and evangelism blows through the roof after this council. Oh, if only all the church councils in all church history ended like this. Right? But can we ask yourself, can, can you, can I, can we clearly, carefully, faithfully communicate Christ. Parents, can we do it with our children? Children, will you do it with your children? 
This needs to go from one generation to the next. And God's going to use the local church. I'm praying, we're praying, that our church here at Nuuanu will be just that. Some encouragements and just, I, just something, you know, um, I thought of application for us in this. You know, like, if you don't, maybe consider putting yourself in a place or in a space where you actually do discuss Scripture with other believers. That's a huge thing we see in this whole chapter as we bring it to clo- close to a close. You know, like a small group, a Sunday school class, or just a one-on-one. Just if you haven't or if you don't or if you're not in the habit of it, that's important. I think, um, what's the name of the book, Mel, that you guys ordered? The women are going to go through the 12, is it Women of the Word? 12 extraordinary words. Like, that's such, that's such, that's cool. You know, like, I love hearing stuff like that. Like, an opportunity to gather around and wrestle with doctrine, talk about scripture. Put yourself out there. But in conclusion, we see all these things on the essential things. We stand. Non-essential, grace. Right? Essential, iron pillar. Non-essential, read in the wind. And let's continue to grow together in the book. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for just real-life drama like this in the church. It's really encouraging um, to see some false teaching trickle in and then kind of throw a whole congregation into a world where things got heated, things started to get almost divisive, on the verge of disunity, on the verge of a schism, and then by your grace and your spirit, through leading men, church came together, they regrouped, they hashed out this family talk, they brought in the whole congregation, communicating with Jerusalem, just coming, landing together on the same page. Oh, Lord, the joy of, feel, of that feeling when, when communication gets cleared up, what a joy. Lord, if there are souls this evening that are unsettled or troubled and they're not quite sure, they don't quite have a grip or a grasp on where they stand with you and how Jesus saves them and why only him. If there are just questions, if there's fuzziness, fear, would you please by your spirit allow us to be an ohana, a church ohana that will teach and admonish one another, row together. Let those conversations happen, even in this place tonight or outside this place later this week. Phone calls, coffee, meals, just let it happen that people would more clearly hear the message of Christ and help us to faithfully pass that message on. Give us your spirit now as we go. Be with us in fellowship this evening. Thank you again for one more evening of your word. Bless us now. Keep your word fresh in our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.